All right, Shane, so let's kick it over now to our interview. We're about to go Joe Rogan length here to our interview, <laughs> Stefan Krajiznik from the Clarion Leisure. All right, we're pleased to be joined once again by Stefan Krajiznik. Did I get it right finally? You've been on like five times. It's close. It's close. <laughs> David, okay, next time. I swear I'll have it. But Steph, he covers Mississippi State, of course, for the Clarion Ledger, the biggest paper in the state of Mississippi. Uh, Steph, thank you so much for joining me once again. I really appreciate having you back on the show. Thanks for having me on, like we were just talking about. I mean, it's, it seems like media days and the football season will be here before we know it. Yeah. And, you know, I think one thing, obviously, you, you're well aware of this. You've chronicled every step of this, but uh, I think a lot of SEC fans maybe are not oh, totally aware of um, all the tragedy that occurred with this uh, this university, this football program, even going back to a former assistant uh, that, that left for, for USC, Dave Nickel, have been with Mike Leach for a long, long time, but multiple uh, people died, and I, I hate to start on, on a on down note here, but is there any sense that, um, and heck, they still even had a good year for, for Mississippi State, won nine football games. Is 2023, do you get any sense that, uh, you know, we're turning the page and, and it'll be some momentum behind, uh, you know, hopefully, let's let's hope hope and pray there's there's no tragedies that, you know, uh, that we can spring forward and, and thankfully put some of this these tragedies behind us? Yeah, I think when you look at it, you know, from a national perspective, there's still, you know, a lot of question marks around this team. I think, you know, people are unsure kind of what, you know, the Zach Barnett era is going to look like, what Kevin Barbe is going to look like as an offensive coordinator. There's there's some doubt nationally, which isn't really, you know, uh, an, an unusual situation for Mississippi State. I think nationally they're usually, you know, projected to be around those six, seven win range, if not, you know, fewer than that. Um, but I think when, when you look internally at, at this team and kind of the the roster that they've got, the coaching staff that they've assembled, the coaches that have returned, particularly, um, you know, on a defensive side from last season, is you know they're looking at everything they overcame overcame last season to go on and win nine games to have most of that roster returning. I, I think when you ask the players, and, and we got to talk to Will Rogers, you know, after the spring game this past Saturday, and you definitely got that sense from him that you know he's fine with whatever the expectations may be externally, because I think internally. There's a lot of belief that Mississippi State could win those nine games again and, and kind of get back to to that level and, and be a team that's ranked for most of the year and, and competes, you know, in some big games, win some big games. So I think, you know, there, there's so many question marks surrounding what this team's going to look like with, you know, specifically with this new offense. But when, when you look at the roster and when you look at what they have coming back and you kind of look at the schedule that they have and the opportunities that are there, I think there's no doubt that, you know, at least here in Starkville, there's some pretty high expectations, which is kind of tough for a first-year head coach, right? I mean, you're you're a first time in the SEC. It's your first time head coach, you know, anywhere, let alone being in the SEC. You got these expectations of, of what you know fans here w- want to see. Um, it, it creates a kind of weird dynamic of of this national versus local perspective of what's going to happen. Um, but on paper, when you look at this roster, uh, I'm kind of surprised the expectations aren't a bit higher, you know, from a national perspective. Well, I, I'm glad that you mentioned Will Rogers because I had to ask you about him and his fit in this offensive system. Uh, how's that going so far based on what you've seen, based on what you've heard? And uh, do you find it strange that I know state fans are obviously very high on Will Rogers, but whenever there's discussion on who's the best quarterback in the SEC, outside of state fans, I don't even hear Will Rogers mentioned, even though yeah. he is, uh, you know, the arguably the most experienced quarterback 
in the SEC, if not the country. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Like, like you said, there his name doesn't get brought up a ton. I think a lot of that has to do with you know the numbers that he put up in the air raid and people, you know, labeling him a system quarterback. You know, albeit whether you think that's true or not, that's that's what the label was on him, right? People were saying that the reason he put up big numbers was because he was in the air raid, and yeah, some of that is a result of you know throwing 50, 60 passes in a game. You're going to have some impressive numbers, right? Um, but it, you know, I kind of look at it in this perspective of I think Will is a better fit in this new offense. I think in the air raid. If Will was having a bad day, Mississippi State was going to lose. You look at that game last year at Kentucky, it was not Will's best game. They didn't have a chance that game. They couldn't get anything going offensively. I think now when you look at this and you're saying, hey, you know, we think Will's a, a good quarterback, maybe not, you know, an elite quarterback that's going to be a first-round NFL pick, but he's a guy that you can trust to, to not make mistakes. Like you said, he's experienced. He knows, you know, when to make certain decisions and when not to do, you know, not to take certain chances. And you kind of take this offense you say, all right, how about instead of putting the pressure on Will, we make sure that Will just – you know, gets the ball to Tula Griffin, have him come around on a, on a reverse or a jet sweep or something like that, and just get the ball to your playmakers. Don't make Will have to be the playmaker. Make, make you know, make the opportunities there for, you know, Xavion Thomas, Tulu Griffin, you know, Justin Robinson, some of these receivers to get the running backs involved too. We've seen, you know, these running backs succeed. And even in the air raid, when they had their chances, they were really successful when, when they decided to run the ball. Um, so I think the chances are there for Will to have, you know, a really good season and kind of fit into this system almost better than he did in the air raid, just because, you're taking a guy that's not necessarily the most talented in terms of, you know, arm talent and things of that nature. And, and you're putting him in a spot where you're saying, Hey, how about, how about these guys who, you know, are faster, who are playmakers, let's put the ball in their hands and let will, you know, take chances when needed. Well, it's like, you're looking right here at my notes. Cause I, I wanted to ask you to Lou Griffin and Xavier Thomas, both made plays in the spring game flash their immense talent. Uh, will this be an offensive system? Do you think that uh, does a better job of showcasing their skill set? Because, for whatever reason, and I know Xavier Thomas is only his second year, but uh, they've not made a, a big impact, at least just on offense. I know, I know special teams may be a different story, but how do you see them being utilized in this offense? Yeah, like you said, Xavier's a guy that I think at this point everyone's kind of like, hey, let him develop, see, see what he becomes, just because you know the, the physical talent is there. And, and like you said, I mean, he had that punt return right before halftime in that game against Georgia. I mean, you, you see what he can do when he has the ball in his hands. And I think that kind of goes right along with you know, what, what you do with Tulu Griffin is, you know, Tulu was an outside receiver in the air raid. He, he just didn't seem to really fit there, right? He's not a guy where you say, hey, throw it up, you know, on the outside to him, let him go up and get it. He's a guy that, you know, fits better in the slot, has always fit better in the slot, in my opinion. And, you know, now with Kevin Barbie, that's where he's playing. Can come around, like you said, like we were talking about earlier, screen passes, you know, handoffs, direct handoffs to Tulu Griffin. Um, and then in the spring game, we saw him catch a 20-yard pass. I mean, you're, you're, you're just looking at a guy that physically – is is better than a lot of people in the SEC. I mean, he's right up there, you know, in terms of speed and strength, you know, with some of these elite receivers. Now, does that mean he's going to, you know, translate to a great NFL receiver? Probably not necessarily. He could. Um, but when you look at, you know, the SEC perspective of it, get the ball in his hands and he's going to make things happen just because he's got the skill set to do it. And, and I think he was just being utilized the wrong way in the air raid. And, and that's not a knock on the air raid. I just think specifically when it comes to Tula's situation, they didn't use him you know, the right way. And I think he's a better fit in this offense. And I think uh, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Will Rogers earlier is, is when Kevin Barber came in, he said what his offense is. You know, people right away, what, how do you define your offense? What's your offense? You know, we knew what everyone knew what the air raid was. What's, what's the Kevin Barber offense. And he said, the Kevin Barber offense is having the best 11 players on the field and making sure the ball is in, in the best players hands. And a lot of the time that's going to be Tulu Griffin which is going to make it easier on Will Rogers. I, I think you don't want to jump the gun based on what you've just seen in, in spring practices, right, or what you've seen in a spring game. 
but that does translate a lot of the time. And, and I look at this 2023 season and, and, and I'd be stunned if, if Tulu Griffin wasn't putting up a, a much better numbers than he's put up, you know, the past couple of years at state. How surprised were you when they added Mike Wright, who, you know, had his moments at, at Vanderbilt. They would not have beaten Florida or Kentucky without Mike Wright last season. But uh, anytime a quarterback with starting experience transfers to another SEC school where they've got an established quarterback, that was interesting. And obviously his skill set so different from Will Rogers. Uh, did that surprise you? And is there any way they they don't play Mike Wright? And I'm not suggesting they're they're going to bench Will Rogers for him, but it seems like his skill set, we've got to get him on the field in some capacity. Yeah, I think to, to answer the second question there, I think he's he's going to be used in some special packages. They're going to find ways to get him involved in the offense. I wouldn't be surprised if you know there were some trick plays or just designed runs for him. Or th- he's too talented with the ball in his hands. Like kind of goes back to the Tulu Griffin conversation. He's too talented with the ball in his hands to not you know have some playing time, especially with that experience. You kind of trust that. Hey, not only can you run you know some special package, but that's a guy that's going to come in and probably not make a mistake. You know, how many, how many times do you see some kind of trick players, some special design? And you're just like, well, was that guy thinking, well, he's never been put in that spot before, right? You're running a trick play that, you know, for the first time in his career, he's running. You can kind of run that at state now with a guy who has a lot of SEC experience. Like you said, has made some big plays, you know, in some big play uh, in some big games at Vanderbilt. Um, to go back to your first question, I was really surprised, right? I mean, you're looking at you know, Mike Wright when he enters the portal, you're saying, all right, well, you know, he could probably go down to maybe a smaller school and, and a smaller conference and, you know, have some, you know, have a starting spot waiting for him. Maybe he goes to a bigger school and kind of compete for, for a starting spot. I didn't, I didn't necessarily, I still don't think that, you know, it's, he's going to take Will Rogers' starting job. I, I just don't, you know, see a world in which that happens. So that's why I was surprising of why did he come to Mississippi State then? I guess you kind of look at maybe his career trajectory. He could, you know, transfer again next season with, with no penalty as, as a grand transfer. So maybe he sees an opportunity to, you know, come to state, get better and, and leave next season. You know, it's, it's hard to tell, you know, what exactly, what was the thought process there? I think if you're Mississippi State, you're pumped, right? You got two guys who are, you know, starting quarterbacks in the SEC with that experience. If Will Rogers goes down, you know, the past couple of years, they didn't really have a guy that could step in. Sawyer Robertson was a four-star prospect, but he had no experience, right? If Will Rogers got hurt, you were going to be put in a really tough spot. Now, you know, if something happens, you, you've got options back there, right? You got a guy like Mike Wright, as you mentioned, with, with a lot of experience. So, for state, it was a huge win win to get him. And for Mike Wright, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, what his career path looks like based on this decision. Now I don't know uh, how much you've seen this or read into it, uh, but Zach Arnett since taking over, and particularly this spring, anytime he's kind of asked about uh, the offense and how it's gonna change, he, there's a lot of pushback. And <laughs> I I think his point is just we're not it's not a complete overhaul. A lot of the same routes and concepts I guess will will still apply but uh are you are you buying that the offense is not going to be drastically different because it it certainly looked different in the spring game to me and when they came out I always I always overreact to the first play right and they run the football and I was like it's a new day at Mississippi <laughs> State so I, I don't know what your thoughts on that no I think uh you know to some extent it will be very different right I mean we we didn't see you know Tula Griffin come across for a jet sweep once you know in, in the time that they're running the air right here so that it, it will be different there will be a lot more runs what it will kind of stay the same and um you know to some extent is you're kind of forced to because a lot of the roster that comes back you know is a roster from last year it's to some extent you want to keep some similarities right not just have this if you think this can be a really good year you don't necessarily want it to just be a complete overhaul and have to start from scratch. You want to keep some of those same concepts, which 
you know, that's what's kind of confused me is, is some people have given, you know, Arnett a, a tough time about going away from the air raid. And you look at Kevin Barbe's offense and you say, well, like most coaches throughout football, not just college football, you look at the NFL, you look at the high school level, there's air raid concepts in, in what they run, right? I mean, we, we still haven't seen in the spring Will Rogers go under center, right? He's still been in the shotgun, okay? So we're still kind of seeing the gradual movement of, of, you know, going from the air raid to what you are now. And if Barbe thinks that, you know, his best chance to win is keeping a lot of those air raid concepts, he's going to keep them, right? So I think you're kind of looking at an offense that, yes, it'll be different. They're going to run it a lot more. But but when you look at it from from schematics and, and kind of what, you know, they're going to set up and, and try to do, a lot of it's going to lean back on, you know, air raid concepts that coaches all around the country are still using. Yeah. Well, how about the defense where – I think, uh, obviously, you know this, but people that don't pay close enough attention to Mississippi State, I mean, the defense has been holding that program together, and, and in my opinion, yep. has been the much stronger side of the ball, and, and they don't win the Egg Bowl without uh, Zach Arnett and his defense. But the defense returns just 43% of their production, according to, to Bill Connolly's ESPN metrics here. That's 13th in the SEC. But they, they do bring back some veterans, particularly at linebacker Watson and, and Jet Johnson and uh, Richardson at, at corner. I mean, they've got some really nice pieces. Defensive line also, they've got some veterans there. Uh, how much of a concern is it for Mississippi State to rank that low in production? Do you think we'll, we'll have a drop-off on defense, or do you got enough faith in Zach Arnett that uh, the defense will still be a solid unit? Yeah, I think the, the front six slash seven of this defense will be good just because of that experience you mentioned them returning. I mean, you lose – Cam Young to, to the NFL draft, you know, he's your D tackle who's kind of in there and just, you know, stuffs the run. And he's been a big reason why their run defense has been so good the past few years. But, but I think mostly when you look at the linebackers and the defensive line, you're pretty confident with, with where you are with this team. It's in the secondary where I think a lot of the concerns are, are starting to come up and maybe why a lot of that production, you know, why those produ- production numbers are what they are. I mean, you lose Emmanuel Forbes that, you know, speaks for itself, right? I mean, you're losing – the pick six leader all time, you know, in college football. That's a, that's a pretty big loss, I'd say. But like you mentioned, you know, DeCamion Richardson now, he's the guy that steps up and, and he's supposed to be the number one guy, which is interesting because you look at the past couple of years, you know, Martin Emerson leaves, Emmanuel Forbes step up, steps up as the number one guy. Now Forbes leave, Richardson's going to be the guy that's expected to step up. Who steps up as the number two guy? You know, that's kind of the next question. you got, you know, guys like Isaiah Spurge who have been at Mississippi State for a while, haven't necessarily had much, much playing time. Can he step up and be that guy? Or is it a transfer like Kamari Rogers, who was a four-star for Mississippi, went to Miami, now is back at Mississippi State. Is he going to step up? And then the safety is is probably where you have your biggest question mark. Sean Preston comes back, and, and he's super experienced, and people can probably remember his name from you know a lot of the playing time that he's had at State. But you know you lose Jackie Matthews Jr., who was kind of your you know hybrid. You know the coaches call it you know different thing. It's Husky one there one place, it's Bulldog another place. You know you know what position I'm talking about there. Uh, and then you also lose you know Jalen Green and, and Colin Duncan back there. I mean these are you're losing a lot of experience in your secondary, which you know they have young players who have you know the the star power to be good. Like I mentioned, you got four stars back there who, who can be good. You got transfer. Um, you know, Chris Keys coming from Indiana. You got, you know, Jacoby Albert coming from Kentucky. You got a lot of players coming in through the portal who you can plug in and play, but they don't necessarily have the experience that you had the last couple of years. So that's what's going to be interesting is maybe the secondary isn't that great at the start of the year. And, and can your front kind of get you through, you know, that, that learning curve? And then when you get to the second half and, and you, you know, got some playing time, got some experience, is that an area that you feel comfortable in when, when you get to the heart of SEC play? 
Well, I'm glad you referenced the transfer portal because I know you've written that here recently on the Clarion Ledger, Mississippi State, and their portal targets here. Uh, so two-part question. What positions do you think Mississippi State needs to add? And will they, will they finally fix the kicking issues? After, I think they've added two kickers now via the portal. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they've got a they've got a transfer kicker from UCLA who's been here all spring and, and he's looked pretty good. He put up some pretty impressive numbers at UCLA. Um, they just added another uh, portal kicker from uh, William and Mary transfer who um, you know the numbers weren't that great, but you know obviously they see something to him with with the potential. So we'll see if Arnett's luck with the kickers is different than Mike Leach's luck with the kickers because everyone knows the the history that's there with that. Um, well, uh, the the other question you asked about you know what they can still get in the portal, you know I think. What they need to do in the portal at this point is probably add to depth, right? You're not looking to necessarily find more starters right now. I think you're pretty comfortable with the 22 you've, you've got lined up right now. Um, but but like I like I'd written in the piece, you know, the defensive line is is good, and and they've you know put pressure on quarterbacks the, the past few years, and and they've made you know the the run defense be you know so so good for Mississippi State the past couple of years. But you still never, you know, really got that guy that was a, a defensive end that could really come off the edge and, and create havoc on, on any given play on a, on a third and long. You know, come in there and and really, you know, d destroy a play. Right? It's, you, you haven't really had that yet. Can, can you go out and find something like that? Is it too late now? I mean, this the second portal window has has not been slow. Right? There, there's been players left and right, you know, going in it. Can, can you find a piece that you know at least gives you some more depth or? or just someone who can come off the edge and create a little more pressure. It feels like states kind of lack that, you know, the, the last few years. So I think that's one spot where you're looking at it and saying you could use a little more depth. And I think anytime you can get depth on the offensive line, you, you take it right. I mean, the, the front five that the Mississippi state's going to have um, this season is, is experienced. They all come back and, and I've had some playing time, but most of them, you know, started playing time in the sec. You feel pretty good about what you got up there, but you don't, you don't really have proven guys who can kind of step in and plug and play. Like Stephen Lasoy was that guy last year. He came from Middle, Middle Tennessee, was kind of versatile where you could play him at either of the guard positions. You could also play him at center. So, you know, when a guy like Quinston Sharp goes down, you could plug him in. When, when you know, a left guard or right guard is struggling, you can kind of plug him in. Well, now he's the starting center or will be, will be somewhere on that offensive line, you know, with Sharp leaving. Who is that next guy? Do, do you have that versatile guy who can step in and, hey, if this guy's struggling or this guy's injured, we have a plug and play type player. It doesn't feel like they necessarily have that quite yet. If you can find that in the portal, I think it's a huge gap. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think is the biggest question that Mississippi state had about this team that they answered in spring camp? Well, I think the biggest question uh, from the spring camp is, you know, are you going to find ways to get to Luger from the ball? And I think that, that they've, you know, shown that they're going to do that. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like you mentioned, watch the spring, you don't want to overreact to the first play. Well, it was like the third or fourth play where they ran that, you know, reverse and around with, with Tula Griffin. He goes 43 yards and you're thinking, all right, well, I think that Kevin Barbet and Zach Arnett knew the fans in the stands wanted to see that play. They wanted to see a handoff to Tula Griffin and they made sure that they got it, you know, right away early in that game, which also another thing that, that was kind of a big question coming into the spring is when you watch that end around, who is it that comes and seals the edge for Tulu to, to go score? It's a tight end, which we haven't seen at Mississippi State for the past three or four years, right? He, and, and that tight end was Malik Ellis, who's you know an offensive tackle who's kind of been moving the tight end. They're going to have a couple tight ends with uh, Spivey from TCU coming in, uh, Rylan Goat, I hope I pronounced that right, coming from Georgia. Um, so they'll, they'll have actual tight ends who have played tight end the past few years. Um, but but it's interesting to see, you know, right, right away, everyone wants to see Tulu with the ball in his hands. Everyone wants to see, you know, the tight ends blocking and creating plays. You saw both of that, you know, on that play. So I think 
you know, the, the biggest question was, how are you going to get the ball to Tulu? What are you going to do with the tight end position? The, the tight end, they kind of had to manage through the spring without having, you know, a true tight end on the roster, which I think they did a good job of. Now you're going into the summer, you're bringing in some new guys, and, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they fit into this offense. Now, similar question, what's a big question that remains after spring heading into uh, summer and training camp? Yeah, I think the, the biggest question still remains that safety. You know, which guys are going to emerge as as the starters, which young guys are going to be prepared to start, you know, come day one and, and make a big role or make a big impact, I should say, you know, as the season rolls on. That's when you look at this team, it's kind of surprising that, you know, the biggest question remains on defense because of, of you know, how much change there's been on offense. But really, that's that's the spot I look at. And I say if, if Mississippi State's secondary struggles, it, it could be, you know, a down year. And if Mississippi State's secondary is good, it could be a really good year. That, that's the one area right now where I, I got the biggest question mark still. Now, last question for you, Steph. Really appreciate all your time. I've got the schedule here, and a lot of people, you know, the official over-unders are not out yet, but it seems like they're going to be around six, six and a half. So I want to know your confidence level that Mississippi State goes over that. But let me run down this schedule real quick, which features eight home games. I think I think that's yeah. the most ever for Mississippi State. Um, they open southeast Louisiana, Arizona at home, LSU at home week three, that's a big game. At South Carolina, Alabama at home, Western Michigan at home, at Arkansas, at Auburn, Kentucky at home, at Texas A&M, and then you uh, close out Southern Miss at home, and obviously Ole Miss at home in the Egg Bowl. So what's your confidence level that this Mississippi State team can, if the number is, let's say, six and a half, that Mississippi State can go over that? Yeah, I, I actually do really believe that they'll, they'll go over that. I have pretty high confidence. And like you mentioned, the, the eight home games are huge, right? And, and some of those are tough. The, the LSU game is going to be really tough. Alabama is going to be really tough. Um, the road games are no cakewalk either. I mean, South Carolina, having to play there is, is kind of a tough you know, crossover game to, to get, though I, I guess it's easier than having to face Georgia last season. <laughs> um, but, you know, you look at the that Kentucky series, the home team has, has dominated. you got some pretty high confidence that, you know, Mississippi State can pick that off. I mean, a&M, and, and I know some A&M fans won't, won't be thrilled to hear it, but A&M and Jimbo haven't really showed that they can beat Mississippi State in recent years. I mean, I, I'm sure Mississippi State, you know, especially with Will Rogers, he, he went into, you know, Kyle Station a few years ago and, and got a win. I, I'm sure he has the belief that, you know, he can go back to Kyle Field and, and get another win there. So I, I think I think getting to seven, you know, shouldn't be too much of a problem. I think closing out those back-to-back -back home games against Southern Miss and Ole Miss is – it's kind of a good draw too. That that's a good way to kind of close out the, the season. I think they can be, you know, at five or six wins going into that stretch and, and kind of get over the hump to, to get to seven or eight. So I, I think they'll get to at least seven. I wouldn't be too surprised if this was an eight eight win team again. All right, Steph, before you go, can you tell everybody where's uh, the easiest place to find all your work? You do a hell of a job covering the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, let the audience know where they can find that. Yeah, our website's clearandledger.com. We have a Mississippi State tab with, with all our coverage there. And David Eckert, our Ole Miss writer, does a great job as well uh, covering the Rebels. And on Twitter, I'm at S-K-R-A-J-I-S-N-I-K-3. I really appreciate you having me on, man. I love uh, love what y'all do. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. And we'll put a link to all that in the show notes. And uh, All right, hey, I'll cut it right there. Thank you so much.